Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris. Hey. <laughs> a little late on the update. <laughs> that, was, I'm here. that was spirited, Chris. <laughs> I was like, I'm the only other person here. I guess I gotta say something. <laughs> Um, we're in Acts 12 through like 13, 14. Um, these are narrative passages. We're getting like kind of rapid fire stories of the early church. Um, so as we're going over these things, Chris, what stuck out to you the most? Yeah, I think, uh, the very first passage we read in Acts chapter 12 is the story of Peter's miraculous release from prison, uh, which is, I mean, such a, it's one of those amazing stories where you're just like, you know, eyes are being blinded. Gates are opening of themselves, angels are appearing, and Peter's miraculously set free, uh, shows up at a prayer meeting where they were likely praying for Peter to be released, and here comes the answer to their prayer uh, right in that prayer meeting. And just an incredible thing, but actually one of the things that stood out to me was what we didn't read today, what was read yesterday is right before this is the story of James being imprisoned and not being released and him dying. And I think it's, um, in some ways, I think this is intentional because in the early church, they would have seen the miraculous and the supernatural happen, but they also had to deal with the the bad things, like James didn't get released. And um, I actually remember reading one account of of somebody that was kind of hypothesizing a little bit about this prayer meeting and kind of thinking like, well, James's widow was probably at this prayer meeting. She had just lost her husband. This is probably where she would have been for support. Perhaps she was even the one standing right next to Peter's wife in her time of need. And Peter walks in the door. Peter's wife rejoices. But James' wife, although happy for Peter's wife, I'm sure, has lost her husband. So I think there's just this tension of there is, we do live in this kingdom of God where miraculous things happen, but sometimes our prayers aren't answers. And I think it was those two things together uh, that really helped shape the local church that they, it was their trust in not just in the outcome or the answer to prayers, but their trust in the God that they were serving. So that was a very long way to answer what stood out to you. (laughs) I think it's really easy to read over all these stories, particularly in the New Testament, and not take into account like, oh wait, these are like real people with families. Mm -hmm. Like it's easy to read through scripture and be like, okay, so James died. Okay, Peter was released from prison. But it's like, oh wait, they were married. They They had wives. Oh, their wives were present at those prayer meetings. Whoa, that like, that makes this like a much more rooted thing, I think, that there's all these supporting characters in these stories that are dealing with very real questions and struggles. And and, and they would be asking some of these why questions oh that you goodness. and I would ask. So like James and Peter, this is their two pastors. Mm-hmm. At some point after the excitement of Peter being released, somebody's going to go, wait a second. Why was Peter released and James died? One pastor died. One pastor got released. Why? Mm-hmm. And just kind of that grappling with that mystery, the things that you just don't understand, um, they would have had those questions as an mm-hmm. early church as well. Uh, so it, I just think that's interesting. It, it um, yeah, it puts things in, in good perspective that we can rejoice with the miracles, but you know, sometimes even when prayers aren't answered the way we hoped, uh, doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change that His kingdom continues to advance. All right. So here's what sticks out to me. We're going to wade into uh, Acts 13. So in Acts 13, Chris is actually reading over the passages and starts to read the parentheses and is like, oh my goodness, what's happening here? (laughs) So if you're reading along, uh, you'll see in Acts 13, 1, 
Uh, this says, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, uh, and Saul. Um, and with each of these names, there comes like a description. And the description is in parentheses, and some of the parentheses actually have like an asterisk. Um, so one of the things that's interesting to me is that what's in the parentheses with the asterisk behind Simeon is called the black man. Which is a little bit weird to read in the podcast, right? Like Simeon, who was called the black man. Yeah, like literally it was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Just because it's like, that's not how we would talk. Well, and it caught me off guard too, because like in the other versions I'm more familiar with, it will say like, he is from or is he is of Niger, which is, it is a country, but it's also you know, a people group of African descent. So I just, I had never seen a version translate it saying it's the black guy. The NLT um, is just right up front. So I was, it just caught me off guard. And then of course, Ryan is fervently researching this as I'm doing the reading and found some interesting things. So, so the Greek, the, the actual Greek is translated directly who was called Niger. Um, so this is not saying he's from Niger. It's saying mm-hmm. he's called Niger, which is very different. Um, and the root just, it's just a color. It means black. Um, so there's a lot of thought on this. Um, these are black apostles, um, Simeon, probably as, African descent as well as Lucius. So, uh, Lucius from Cyrene, Cyrene would have been an African nation and Simeon and Lucius historically are known as the black apostles. Um, and they, they, they would have been incredibly influential. They would have been very Roman, very Gentile. It, it's one of those things that it's pretty easy to just read past and read over. Uh, but it actually very, uh, very much so enriches our history and the the story of the early church, because it's very easy, particularly for me, um, just to be like, well, yeah, these are all the, the white dudes doing all mm-hmm. the church stuff. Um, but actually, we have diversity, a, a really large amount of diversity in the early church very quickly. Um, and I think it's really important to point out that diversity because it helps us um, kind of rediscover who we are as a church and to continue to, to value those things. And we- Throughout the rest of this reading, we're going to have the continued diversity of uh, the gospel really beginning to go even more and more to the Gentiles as well. So we've got kind of cultural slash ethnic diversity, but then we also have racial diversity. And the kingdom has always been about the alls and the everys. Mm -hmm. And so when we see these things, it just kind of redefines and not redefines, but re-solidifies that this is is actually the way it was intended to Mm -hmm. be. Uh, this would have been, it was, it was, I don't know, two, three days ago, we read about the, the Jewish people starving the Greek widows. Um, I think it's Acts six. Um, and so it's, there's, there's diversity very quickly and it, it's not like, it's not like it just comes and goes super easily. There's, there's tension associated with, they have to sort these things out. I think we're going to get into some of that tomorrow with the Jerusalem council Mm -hmm. in Acts 15. Um, so they, they've been grappling with it. We need to continue to grapple with it. And ultimately we need to find a uh, unity and glorify Christ, um, as his body, like in, in the world. So, yeah. And of course we start the first missionary journey. Here we go. So we're going to be on the road with Paul, uh, for quite a while here. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Bye. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse six. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. He did. 
Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them by, all by itself. Then they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to a sense, it's really true. The Lord Jesus has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John, Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the, in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came in to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they, told, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them what the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now, when he, now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robe, sat on the throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a standing ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a god, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness, because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simon, Lucius, Man, the childhood companion of King Herod Antiochus, and Saul. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterwards, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to Governor Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to, to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, and enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Paul and his companions left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the service. After the usual reading from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them, and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. 
Then with a powerful army led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to Israel as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel, the prophet. Then the people begged for a king, and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And it is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is promised, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. Before he came, John the Baptist preached that all people of Israel needed to repent of their sins and turn to God and be baptized. As John was finishing his ministry, he asked, Do you think I am the Messiah? No, I am not, but he is coming soon, and I am not even worthy to be a slave and untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as one of the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing so, this fulfilled the prophet's words that they read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that prophecies said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors, and God has fulfilled it to us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. For God had promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. He said, I will give you the sacred blessings I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David, but after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something the law of Moses could never do. Be careful. Don't let the prophet's words apply to you. For they said, look, you mockers, be amazed and die, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about it. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowd, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of the town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium, and the believers were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. The same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message was true by giving them the power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinions about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. 
When the apostles learned of it, they fled from the region of Lyconia to the towns of Lystra and Derby in the surrounding area, and there they preached the good news. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been this way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priests of the temple and the crowds brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town's gates and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went back into town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.